podcast designed to take the listener deeper into scripture and biblical thought. I'm Ed Gallagher, professor of Christian scripture at Heritage Christian University. I hope to cover a variety of topics with you about scripture. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Heritage Christian University, where we help students to thrive in ministry. To find out more, go to hcu.edu. We're also partnering with the Ministry League Network. They have free resources to help the local church all over the world. Download the app in the iOS or Play Store, or check out the website at ministryleague.com. And now, welcome to the podcast. We're going to talk about Satan in the New Testament today. Last time I made the argument, and I thought it was pretty convincing, that we never find the uh, character, Satan, in the Old Testament. Never. Now, we have not looked at all of the passages. We will do that, um, you know, if you're thinking of Genesis 3, if you're thinking of Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, we will look at those uh, in the future. Uh, but, of course, those, none of those passages use the term Satan, so he would certainly not appear under the name Satan anywhere in the Old Testament. Now, uh, the situation is altogether different in the New Testament. Here in the New Testament, the terms devil and Satan are used many times in reference to a spiritual being that is opposed to God and his purposes in the world. He is the evil one, Matthew 13, 19, and other passages, or the tempter, Matthew 4, verse 3, the ruler of the demons, Matthew 9, 23, the enemy, Matthew 13, 39. Satan has his own kingdom, Mark 3, 24 to 27, that stands opposed to God's kingdom. And so Satan removes the seed of God's kingdom from people's hearts, Mark 4, 15. Or he sows weeds among God's wheat, Matthew 13, 25 or 28. Punishment in eternal fire awaits the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 45. Let's talk about terminology. Let's talk about the term Satan. We'll see that often in our English Bibles. Where, where does this come from uh, when we see it in our English Bibles in the New Testament? The New, the New Testament, of course, is written in Greek. It adopts the Hebrew word. We talked about this Hebrew word last time. The Hebrew word is Satan. Right, It's spelled just like Satan. Well, if we're transliterating it into English, it's spelled just like Satan, but if we're going to pronounce it like a Hebrew word, we, we would say Satan. All right, So that's the Hebrew word. The Greek just takes that Hebrew word, Satan, and gives it a Greek ending so that we often read in the Greek New Testament about ha-satanas. Okay, the ha before Satanas, that's the definite article. So we could translate the expression the, the Satan, the Satan, however you want to pronounce that particular word. Just as also in the Hebrew Bible. That's what I would say. Whenever we read in the Hebrew Bible, in Hebrew, 
the word Satan, almost always it has the definite article. We should probably say, you know, the Satan or the adversary. Although Satanas in the New Testament is usually understood as a name, and so in our English Bibles we see Satan with a capital S, it could be a title even in the New Testament. The word Satanas, that's the Greek form, uh, appears 36 times in the New Testament, 30 times with the definite article, only six times without. The third century Greek Christian author Origen provides a helpful introduction to the term. So this is how he, this is, I want to quote from Origen here. The word Satan in Hebrew, which some spell in a more Hellenic fashion as Satanas, means adversary when translated into Greek. Every man who has chosen evil and to live an evil life so that he does everything contrary to virtue is a Satan, is a Satan. That is an adversary to the Son of God who is righteousness, truth, and wisdom. But street, this is still origin, speaking more strictly, the, the adversary is the first of all beings that were in peace and lived in blessedness, who lost his wings and fell from the blessed state. So Origen tells us that the word Satan mean what the word Satan means and explains that it has a general use. Whoever is opposed to God is a Satan. And a particular use in reference to the great adversary. But we will see, I think, or at least I will, and I hope to persuade you, that the New Testament does not actually explain the origins of this being so that the statement that uh, was just made from origin that his, this adversary fell from his original blessed state no matter how common it is in Christian tradition, is not directly substantiated in Scripture. Before the New Testament, the, word, the Greek word satanos, or even the Greek word satan, so in, in Greek you could have um, the word satan, it could have the Greek ending, satanos, or not, just satan, in Greek I'm saying. You have the two forms that exist in Greek. Both of those forms appear in the Septuagint only three times. Uh, twice in 1 Kings 11, verse 14. Once in the apocryphal book of Sirach, chapter 21, verse 27. And each of these three appearances refers to a human being, not an angelic um, adversary, but a human adversary. There is also at least one instance when Satanas is used in the New Testament uh, in reference to a human being. You can probably think of it if you give yourself a minute, but it's when Jesus told Peter to get behind me, Satan, Satan. This use of the Greek word in reference to humans, both in the Septuagint and in the New Testament, suggests that perhaps the word is not to be understood as a proper name. Neither was it a proper name in first century Jewish literature outside the New Testament, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls. On the other hand, the New Testament use of the term Satanas is distinctive. 
at least in terms of the prevalence of this term for the chief agent of evil. We will see later that Satan or Satanas was not at all a popular term in contemporary Jewish literature. So if you go outside the New Testament and look at Jewish literature, it's not there much. There were all sorts of terms for the chief agent of evil in ancient Jewish literature. Mastema, Azael, Melkiresha, Belial. This last term, or a similar term, Belial, does actually appear in the New Testament once, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. But the others are absent. You never read in the New Testament about Mastema or Melkiresha. In the New Testament, along with the word Satan, we also find the word diabolos, which is often translated devil, and it means, usually thought to mean slanderer. While these two terms, Satan and diabolos, were not prominent in ancient Jewish literature at the time of the New Testament, they are very prominent in the New Testament. So one scholar has said, he puts it this way, the New Testament consolidates satanological terminology. We might be able to think of one more word that also appears in the New Testament. The word Beelzebul does appear seven times. Um, although, as uh, this scholar points out, Farrer, Thomas J. Farrer is the name of the, this scholar, he points out it is the Pharisees that use that term, whereas Jesus prefers to speak about Satan in that conversation. The conversation's Mark 3, verses 22 to 30, and parallels. Is the term Satan a proper name in the New Testament? Here again, Farrer, this scholar that I'm talking about, is helpful. He says that before the New Testament, there is no clear instance of Satan, Satan, being used as a proper name, though there are some possible exceptions. Jubilees 10, verse 11, etc. In the New Testament, the term Satan can almost always be interpreted as a term describing a function rather than as a name. Remember, even in the New Testament, the word Satan is usually preceded by a definite article, so we could always, almost always, render it the Satan. Right? So maybe even in the New Testament, even though in our English Bibles we read it as a name routinely, maybe it wasn't supposed, maybe Jesus did not use it as a name or the apostles. Maybe they were just talking about the Satan. It may be that Luke 22 verse 3, which says in our English Bibles, then Satan entered into Judas without a definite article. That's the key point. That that's the one verse, really, where you don't have a definite article. It's not the Satan entered into Judas. It may be that that represents the first appearance of Satan as a name. But even later in early 2nd century Christian literature, the term is still probably not a name. So, like in the Apostolic Fathers, if you know what that is, not a name. The mid-2nd century author Justin Martyr is the first one who certainly uses Satan as a name. So if you're, if you're looking for the passage where we definitely know, okay, here it's a name. That's mid-second century Justin Martyr. The passage is Dialogue with Trifo 103.5. If 
you want to look at it. In non-Christian Jewish literature, apparently the Hebrew term Satan is first attested as a proper name in the third century rabbinic work called the Tosefta. Okay, Christian literature of the second century resembles early Jewish literature in its use of a variety of terms for the chief agent of evil with the name Satan or the descriptor the Satan featuring surprisingly rarely, so like after the time of the New Testament, you still don't see this word very much in Christian literature. Uh, the Satan appears in the Apostolic Fathers three times, a few more times in Justin Martyr and in early Christian apocryphal texts. So against this background of ancient Jewish literature and the foreground of second century Christian literature, the prominence of the Satan in the New Testament is striking. So if you, if you go back behind the New Testament or you go forward after the New Testament, the New Testament stands out as using this term a lot, more than what came before, more than what comes after. All right, let's talk about the term diabolos, devil. The term diabolos appears more, than, more often in the Septuagint and more often even in the New Testament than the term satanas. Now, not much. Satanas appears in the New Testament 36 times. Diabolos appears 37 times. In the New Testament, it all, almost always has the definite article, the Diabolos. And it hardly ever refers to anything other than the chief agent of evil, so we naturally translate it as the devil. But three times it is plural and refers negatively to certain people. They are slanderers, diaboloi. First um, Timothy 3.11 is an example of that. And once it refers to Judas, John 6, verse 70. The word diabolos is usually in the Septuagint, the translation of the Hebrew satan. All right, so when you have in the Hebrew the word satan, a few times in the Septuagint, you remember what the Septuagint is, right? The Greek translation of the Old Testament. So a few times that Hebrew word comes into the Septuagint as simply satan. They just transliterate it. Usually they translate it, and so that what we see in the Septuagint is the Greek word diabolos. Right. Given that the term diabolos in Greek has to do with wicked speech, right? the word itself means slanderer, this translation, diabolos, coheres with the view that the Satan accuses people, as at Revelation 12 verse 10, where the word Greek word kategor is used, which means accuser. All right, but there are other terms. So we've talked about Satan, we've talked about devil, diabolos. Aside from these two most common designations for the chief agent of evil, the New Testament employs an array of other terms. Farrer and Williams, in an article about this, counted 137 references to Satan in the New Testament, counting all his titles together. Some of these other titles include the following. So we've got, I've mentioned some of these already, the evil one. So Matthew 5.37 is an example of that, although it's a possibility. The tempter, Matthew 4.3. The enemy, Matthew 13.39. Beelzebul, Matthew 10.25. Belier, 2 Corinthians 6.15. The ruler of this world, 
John 12, 31, etc. The prince of demons, Matthew 9, 23. Most of these terms are pretty straightforward, but two of them could use some more discussion. Let's talk about Beelzebul. This name combines two elements. You've got Baal and you've got Zavul. The second element, Zavul, means something like prince. Uh, we're, we're going back to uh, Hebrew, by the way. And the combination Baal-Zavul, meaning Prince Baal, is attested as early as the 14th or 15th century BC at Ugarit. While the two elements appear in the Hebrew Bible separately, so you read about Baal a whole bunch in the Hebrew Bible, you read uh, uh, the term Zavul a few times, the combination Baal-Zavul does not ever appear in the Hebrew Bible. Instead, you do find a few times the term Baal-Zavul, which you might, Beelzebub, right? Baal-Zavuv, uh, four times it appears in the Hebrew Bible, all in 2 Kings chapter 1. And the name is associated, uh, it's the God of Ekron. Baal-Zavuv, the God of Ekron, is what we read about in 2 Kings chapter 1. The name means Lord of the Flies. All right, Baal, Lord, Zavuv, Flies. The Septuagint translates it as Baal-Muya, Fly Lord. The form in the New Testament, Baal's vul, uh, corresponds more closely to the form probably used by this God's worshipers. The term in the New Testament is associated with the ruler of the demons, Mark 3.22. This term, Baal's vul, is not attested, the term itself, Baal's vul, is not attested in the period between the Ugarit tablets in the 13th century BC, and the Synoptic Gospels. So we've got like more than a th well, 1,300 years in which uh, that particular term is not attested. We've got Baal Zavuv in the Old Testament, but not Baal Zavul. Outside the New Testament, the term is used for the chief agent of evil only in the Testament of Solomon. So it's not a popular term. Uh, so you probably think of it, I assume you do, I think of it in this way, as basically in the New Testament, it's sort of a synonym for Satan, right? The Pharisees use, as I mentioned earlier, Baal uh, Zavul, and uh, Jesus talks about Satan in this conversation. Uh, some interpreters have thought that they're actually two different characters, well, interpreters, maybe that's stretching it, but uh, if, you, if you look at Paradise Lost, for instance, Milton represents, uh, Satan is the chief bad guy who leads the host in the war against um, God, and his chief lieutenant is the demon known as Beelzebub. So two different characters in that recounting of uh, the origins of Satan. All right, the other term I want to mention just briefly is Belial. The Hebrew word Belial means wickedness. It appears 27 times in the Hebrew Bible, and it just wickedness. It's not a name, it's just wickedness. It, 
In the Hebrew Bible, it never refers to a spiritual being, a supernatural being. It just means like it's wicked people or whatever. The term is used in post-biblical Jewish literature um, sometimes to describe a chief agent of evil, though. So like in the Dead Sea Scrolls and in the Pseudepigrapha, it became a name. Belial. They would talk about the forces of Belial. The Dead Sea Scrolls talk about this. So in the New Testament, it doesn't appear except one time, as I mentioned earlier, 2 Corinthians 6.15. Sometimes we see that these terms are interchangeable with one another. So if you look at the parable of the sower in the different Gospels, for instance, Mark 4.15, Matthew 13.19, Luke 8.12, who is the being that removes the word from people's hearts, the seed that's sown on the road? Well, in Mark, it's Satanas does that. In Matthew, it's the evil one that does that. In Luke, it's Diabolos that does that. So used interchangeably in that way. Or in Matthew's account of the temptation of Jesus, uh, we've got the tempter in verse 3. We've got Diabolos in verses 5, 8, and 11. And then we've got Satan in verse 10. So there is a consolidation of terminology, whereas I think if you look in Jewish literature at the time of the New Testament and even Christian literature after the New Testament, terminology is all over the place. What, what are we going to call the chief agent of evil? It's, it's all kinds of stuff. In the New Testament, there is this consolidation. It's Satan, it's the devil, uh, but then there are these other terms as well that are sometimes used. What does the devil do, according to the New Testament? Well, he's a leader of angels who will be condemned to hell or the lake of fire. The Bible does not say that the devil reigns in hell or that he is a torturer of the damned in hell. The lake of fire is a punishment for Satan, not his preferred residence. It's not like Br'er Rabbit, you know, uh, wanting to be thrown into the briar patch or anything like that. The New Testament gives no credence to the notion that Satan might think better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. But what does uh, the devil do? Uh, in the New Testament, he does several different things. One thing he does is tempt people. The devil tempts Jesus, for instance, Matthew 4, Luke 4. The devil lies, John 8, 44, and probably this lying has something to do with temptation. The better to deceive, he disguises himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. He influenced Ananias to lie about the money he received for the property he sold, Acts 5, verse 3. The devil ensnares people, 2 Timothy 2.26, and wants to devour people, 1 Peter 5.8. He tempts people in regard to sex, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. People need to resist the devil so that he will flee, James 4 verse 7. They need the armor of God to protect them from the devil's schemes, Ephesians 6.11. They need not give place to the devil, Ephesians 4 verse 27. I think all of that is related to temptation. He tempts people. He wants people to sin. He also does other things. He, he does mischief, just sort of general mischief. Sometimes Satan seems to be not so much 
tempting people to sin, but annoying or oppressing them. This is apparently his role as the ruler of the demons in Matthew 12, 22 to 37. Sometimes the devil, rather than his demons, is directly implicated in causing some physical harm to people. Like Luke 13, 16, look at that, uh, where a lady is oppressed by Satan, she's bent over. Or Acts 10, verse 38. Paul describes his thorn in the flesh as a messenger or angel. Could be, it's angelos, the Greek word is angelos, messenger, angel of Satan. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Jesus reveals to Peter that Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Luke 22, verse 31. I'm not sure exactly what Satan wants to do to Peter. Uh, what do you think are the implications of sifting are? What is, what is this sifting? Maybe it involves temptation, but it seems equally or more plausible that Satan wants to physically attack Peter. But notice that the implication of Luke 22, verse 31, is that Satan can accomplish this sifting only if God allows him such power over Peter. In the New Testament, at least in one passage, Satan rules the air. This is how Ephesians chapter 2 begins. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. This passage apparently refers to Satan as the ruler of the power of the air. What is that supposed to mean? What does Satan have to do with the air? I don't really know. Scholars have guessed that this description must have something to do with demons inhabiting the air, and Satan is the ruler of the demons, and therefore he rules the power of the air. Uh, you could look at some other works. So Second Enoch describes Satan uh, after his fall. He was flying around in the air ceaselessly. So he's flying in the air. He's So maybe that has something to do with what Paul is thinking in Ephesians 2. Uh, Eusebius, a few centuries later, uh, reports the Greek opinion that the parts about the moon and the atmosphere, that is to say the, you know, the air, belongs to the demons. So this, uh, maybe it's just a common thought that demons are inhabiting the air. Satan would be the ruler of the power of the air. Satan works against God. Uh, we have seen that Satan is God's enemy, and as his enemy, he tempts people and causes people physical harm. The devil also tries to thwart God's plans in general. He sows tares among God's wheat. He removes the word of God from people's hearts. He works against Paul's missionizing activity. That's 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He has the power of death, Hebrews 2.14. Most importantly, the devil worked to bring about the death of Jesus, particularly by motivating Judas to betray his master, Luke 22, verse 3, John 13, verse 2, and verse 27. But of course, it was this very action by the devil that ensures the devil's ultimate defeat, for which very purpose the Son of God appeared, as was read to us earlier 
today, 1 John 3, 8. There's more to say about the devil in the New Testament, and fortunately, I can save that for next week, so you'll get more. We will, in fact, probably be talking about the devil on Wednesdays in chapel. This will give you a, even though uh, maybe it's not as uh, Elrond said at the Council of Elrond, it's not always wise to delve into the works of the Dark Lord. Nevertheless, uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about the Prince of Darkness and seeing exactly, well, what I think the Bible says about him. Next week, we'll still be in the New Testament, and then we'll head back to the Old Testament and try to find what these other passages that don't actually mention Satan, but some people think are talking about Satan, what they mean and what we might be able to get out of them with regard to especially the origins and nature of Satan.